that can't always happen when one guy's wearing a recliner. Bunny makes the monkey dance. I have burned his eye inside of me. Son of a bitch! Son of a bitch! He has infuriated your husband. Vince, come on out! No, they don't know. This bites. Don't you worry about my hand. This ain't the end! Hello Nitro Maniacs and welcome to another edition of the Nitro Mania podcast. My name is Adam. I am your host. And if you don't leave the arena crying in the middle of the show, I don't even know what you're doing here. This is the 58th episode of Nitro Mania, meaning there is now one episode for each point scored by the Buffalo Braves in the fourth quarter of their game against the Boston Celtics on October 20th, 1972, the most points ever scored by one team in the fourth quarter in the NBA. It also means there is one episode for each point scored by Wilt Chamberlain in games on January 25th, 1960, and February 21st, 1960, the most scored in one game by a rookie in NBA history. There is also one episode for each county in California, and, according to some starfish, this may just be, like, the luckiest episode ever. Last week on the show, the show was not good. The NWO kept popping in at random times, eventually taking over at the very end, and nothing of note happened at all, except that the Macho Man literally left the building in tears. Not great. Speaking of last time, we got a little bit of feedback to my question about Jim Duggan when I asked the last time, uh, when the last time was that he was considered a good wrestler, or if he had ever been considered a good wrestler. A uh, friend of the show, Philip Goad, responded on Twitter saying, At NitromaniaPod, in regards to was Duggan ever good, he has some fun stuff in Mid-South, but he is working with DiBiase for almost all of it, so probably still doesn't deserve much of the credit for it. And fellow Rundown member Sal replied, Adam, the answer is 1984, the last time Duggan was thought of as a good wrestler, or at least a good brawler. Oh, sorry, he wrote Dugan, so I'm not sure who he was actually talking about. Plus, we put up a poll on rundownwrestling.com, and by a margin of three votes to one, the final determination is that, no, Jim Duggan has never been a good wrestler. So, there's that, I guess. This week, it is Monday, October 21st, 1996, and we are live from the Civic Center in Mankato, Minnesota. This is the only episode of Nitro from Mankato. There were a number of other TV tapings, mostly WCW Saturday Night and WCW Worldwide. Uh, champions have not changed since last week. Harlem Heat have been the tag champs for 20 days. Lord Steven Regal has been the television champion for 62 days. Hollywood Hogan, the heavyweight champ for 72 days. Rey Mysterio Jr., the cruiserweight champ for 105 days. And Ric Flair, the United States champion for 106 days. Expect that to change soon, however, as we are six days away from Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc, where I expect every single one of those belts, except the TV title we never see on TV, to end up with the NWO. But Mankato, home to the first Happy Chef restaurant, a whole 
shitload of radio stations, a branch of Minnesota State University, and that's that's really about it. And it is time for Monday Nitro. Yay, there are sparklers and screaming and lights, and Tony reminds us about how Macho Man cried last week because he's a giant pussy. Your opening contest this week, Bobby Eaton, no longer an Earl, versus Chris Jericho. Tony tells us that both Macho Man and Sting will be here tonight. Sting will actually have a match. Meanwhile, Six and NWO Sting are in the crowd, and with that, we go to break. We come back, and Six and NWO Sting are still there, and finally the bell rings. Nick Patrick is still in a neck brace. For some reason tonight, instead of the steel ring steps in the corner of the ring, it's uh, what looks to be a wooden set of steps flush against the side of the ring by the corner on the aisle. Jericho ends up pinning Eaton following a missile dropkick. Six and NWO Sting are not impressed. Tony is with Jericho at ringside. Apparently, Jericho and Six are fighting on Sunday. Jericho vows to defeat him and knock the NWO down a peg. Back from break to Fat Kevin Sullivan, and that's saying something, standing in the crowd holding up a child that I hope is his, while Tony sends us to a video package about Rey Mysterio Jr. It's basically a highlight reel of his flippy shit. Uh, enters some chump named Jimmy Graffiti, and you know that's his name because his shirt says graffiti all over it. Uh, please be clear, it does not have graffiti all over it. It says graffiti all over it. The word graffiti. All over it. His opponent is Dean Malenko. If you're a fan of ECW, the original ECW, or old school WWF, you may recognize Mr. Graffiti as one Jimmy Del Rey, one half of the Heavenly Bodies. Malenko crossbodies Graffiti over the top rope and to the floor, and they both go crashing down, but Graffiti basically posts on his shoulder on the apron and then crashes headlong into the guardrail once he hits the floor. That looked severely unpleasant. Back in the ring, he tries for some kind of top rope maneuver, but Belenko catches his legs, locks on the cloverleaf, and Jimmy submits. Your pet boy's power pin of the week is Graffiti submitting for the power pin of the week. Right. Let's take yet another break. This Saturday night, Dean Malenko, Jeff Jarrett, Ron Studd, Benoit, the Faces of Fear, Eddie Guerrero, and the NWO. Ron Studd is still employed? Enter Diamond Dallas Page. We get the first mention of DDP learning a thousand different ways to apply the diamond cutter. His opponent is Sergeant Craig, who has pyro for no reason. You would think, given their problems in recent weeks, that Teddy or Craig would specifically demand that Nick Patrick not be the referee for Craig's matches. You'd think. But no. Here we are. DDP starts by shoving Craig into Teddy and going on the offensive. DDP hits the neutralizer on Pittman and goes for the pin. Craig kicks out and throws DDP onto Patrick, so now Patrick can sell a fake back injury, too. Teddy then costs Craig the match by getting on the apron when Craig puts the code red arm breaker onto DDP, thereby distracting Nick Patrick, allowing DDP to hit the diamond cutter and pin Pittman for three. Patrick and Long continue to argue, despite that blatantly being Teddy Long's fault. Tony is with Patrick again. Patrick also blames Teddy, which was very, very clear if you go back and watch it. Tony again accuses Nick Patrick of being the NWO referee on WCW Saturday Night. Nick again says that it's Randy Anderson who is the NWO referee and threatens to make Tony suffer the same fate as Mean Gene. Back from break, and Tony sends us back to two weeks ago on Nitro to Ric Flair getting attacked and then Jeff Jarrett talking to the Giant. 
Up next, it is Ron Studd against Jeff Jarrett, or at least it's supposed to be, but you may remember we've already thrown Studd in the dumpster, so what's going to happen here exactly? Ric Flair appears in a beautiful double-breasted suit. He enters the ring, Ron Studd exits the ring, and Flair asks Jarrett to strut. Now that Flair is in the ring, the crowd boos Jarrett. Flair struts and the crowd cheers. Flair asks Jarrett to strut again, and the crowd boos. Flair struts, and the crowd cheers. Then they go nose-to-nose, and then they shake hands. Ron Studd reappears out of nowhere, and we have a match. Confused, I check cage match, and I swear to God, because before he was billed as Big Ron Studd, and now he's just Ron Studd, they're considered different aliases and are recorded separately on that website, I swear to God. Hence my confusion earlier. Anyway, while I was looking that up, Jeff Jarrett suplexed Stud and locked him in the figure four for the submission victory. Jeff and Rick fondle each other's balls for a bit. Rick starts addressing the NWO, and we see that the Giant is now in the crowd. Jeff will be fighting the Giant on Sunday in Rick's stead, but Flair will be in Jeff's corner, and he swears that they will kick the NWO's ass. If Vince Russo was in WCW at this point, I would be one hundred percent certain that Jarrett was turning on Flair and joining the NWO on Sunday, but Vince Russo is not writing for WCW at this moment, so maybe it won't happen that way. Back from break, and Tony sends us to Needless Pyro and hour number two of Nitro. Bischoff, Heenan, and Tanay are in the booth. Bischoff reminds us that Flair will be having shoulder surgery, but that he'll come back better than ever. Bischoff also reminds us about how he was a dick to Randy Savage last week, reminds us that Randy is supposed to fight tonight, but no one has seen him in the building. Tanay is not sure if Macho Man can be focused enough to win the title from Hulk on Sunday. Enter, what the fuck is that thing? Apparently, this is Roadblock. What the hell? Uh, His knee-length tights are black with yellow stripes down the sides and white dashes down the fronts of the legs like a road, and his singlet top is orange and white striped, like one of those sawhorse barricades, like the one he carried to the ring on his head. He's also hugely fat and has long, greasy hair. Yeesh. Roadblock, two words, by the way, first name Road, last name Block, is facing Lex Luger tonight. Eric expresses his doubts that Luger can get Mr. Block in the torture rack, and I certainly agree with that. We then get a video from Arn Anderson talking down to Lex going into their match on Sunday. Luger tries to rack Road Block, but drops him. He tries again, and drops him again. He calls for it a third time, and he succeeds, and Bischoff and Tanay both shit their pants simultaneously. We get replays and then a commercial break, including the NWO t-shirt ad. Lee Marshall then calls in from Phoenix with the 1-800-COLLECT on the road report. Nitro's in Phoenix next week, so buy your tickets now. They talk about the weather again, and Lee says he has to go to some alumni parties while he's in town, because apparently he went to college there. Whatever. Glad that happened. Uh, Enter the American Males. American Males. American Males. American Males. Their opponents are the WCW World Tag Team Champions, Harlem Heat. Patrick holds up the belts as though this is a tag title match, though didn't they say last week that there would be no tag title matches until the match against the NWO at Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc? Bischoff apologizes to Macho Man again and then talks shit about Hogan. When we come back from break, Bischoff reminds us of the NWO's demands since War Games that they wanted their own segment, so they were given a segment on Saturday night, but now they want a whole show and are looking to take over Nitro. 
Need I remind you that a few weeks ago, Bischoff told us straight up that he caved to DiBiase's demands so that there could be a War Games match at Fall Brawl. So this is all his fault. Today, then outright tells us that this is a non-title match, so Nick Patrick is an idiot. Speaking of idiots, Riggs knocks Sherry and Colonel Parker off the apron, which allows Booker to attack from behind and pin Riggs while Bagwell looks on from the apron until the two count when he then jumps in the ring to break up the pinfall after three. Good job, teammate. Uh, Bischoff tells us that Sting is in the building, and we try to confirm this as we go to break. Enter some douchebags in sequined bow ties when we come back. They are about to get murdered by the faces of fear. These douchebags are the Fantastics, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. This is their only appearance on this show, so you can guess what happens. Eric gets more information from the truck, and he seems quite happy about it. He says that NWO Sting is here, as though that's an announcement, and we didn't see him standing in the crowd with six at the beginning of Hour 1. He also says he hopes Savage is here because he has footage about Hogan that Savage needs to see. The Fantastics actually manage to take advantage for a short while using a series of double-team maneuvers. Then we get the same bad teamsmanship as we did in the last match as Rogers stares at Meng, pinning Fulton until the two-count, and then comes in the ring just a hair too late. Bobby Heenan then describes the Faces of Fear thusly. There's your winner, the Barbarian. Faces of Fear with Ming and Jimmy Hart. Wrestling world, get ready. These men are loose and dangerous. Back from break, and Eric keeps promising a surprise and again states that Macho Man isn't actually going to be here. Then he apologizes again for showing Randy the video last week, and then he shows us the video from last week. As I watch this again, I have to wonder how the fans in Memphis felt last week as they watched Macho Man watch a video they probably couldn't hear on a library TV cart they probably couldn't see and then leave, never to be seen again. They literally show us the entire video in split screen. Elizabeth on the left, Macho on the right. Also, it's really, really convenient, and I know I said this last week, but really convenient that Randy's limo just happened to be parked right there unless he was planning on leaving right after his match anyway, or he just stole someone else's limo. Back to this week, and Eric promises new footage this week that will show just how much of a scumbag Hulk Hogan is. Enter JL to face NWO Sting. So remember how we promised Sting earlier in hour one? <laughs> yeah, well, it's not that Sting. As NWO Sting enters, the NWO makes their way down an aisle in the crowd toward the ring. Bobby pieces out or says he's going to, but doesn't. NWO Sting locks on the Scorpion and we get the first appearance of Crow Sting. Although, to be fair, his face paint here makes him look more like Pennywise Sting. Sting hits the death drop on NWO Sting and just beats the hell out of him. The NWO does nothing to stop this or to intervene as Bobby points out that Sting is in black and white. Sting locks NWO Sting in the Scorpion and the NWO enter the ring. Ted DiBiase asks us all to give a great, big, warm welcome to the real Sting. No Sting, the NWO would like to give you a warm welcome too. We'd like to welcome no. you aboard. See, we can... We could use a man like you. No. Whether you realize it or not, or whether WCW realizes it or not, the NWO is taking over. That, that is a fact. You understand? 
He's not wearing NWO. He's not wearing your colors. He's not wearing that NWO. Look at the face. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Look at his You see, if you join us, it's not like going to work for any other company. No. Once you join us, then you're like family. You got something to say to Sting, big man? Stinger, if I may quote my most favorite American poet, Jim Morrison. I think it's time you break on through to the other side. Don't do it. I got a couple of questions. I got a couple of questions for Sting. You've been carrying the WCW banner for nine years and doing a great job. What do you got to show for it? We bring him out a bogus imposter, and nobody knows about that better than us, because we knew it would get to you. WCW tells you to stick it. We want you to know we're taking over, and with you, there's no stopping us. You jump NWO, you're NWO for life. They brought the devil out of him. He reached down. That right there is your cheap imitation. You get what you pay for, don't you? The real sting may or may not be in your price range. But the only thing that's for sure about sting is nothing's for sure. And with that, Sting leaves to the bewilderment of everyone. The NWO poses in the ring, then looks puzzled, and we go to break on the announcement that Randy Savage is here. We come back, and Eric has left to try and get a word with Savage. Meanwhile, enter Benoit. So, did they just make this match during the commercial break? Because they didn't think, for the entire night, they haven't thought that Savage is going to be here. But now, suddenly, he's here. Oh, and he has a match against Chris Benoit. Anyway, Savage Music plays, but enter The Undertaker. No. No, I I am sorry. I do apologize. That is Savage dressed all in black. Black cowboy hat, black leather jacket with black fringe, black gloves, black leather pants, black boots, even black sunglasses. Eric sends us to the video of Hogan, who is dressed like a complete dipshit on the set of the Three Ninjas movie. Hogan tells the director that the NWO is taking over the film and that he's no longer the director. The Giant is now the director. Apparently, the next scene in this movie involves Liz telling Macho Man that she loves him. Giant yells at a cameraman. Hogan continues to fight with Elizabeth about this. This is painful. Painful. Not as painful as Liz sitting in a tree swing, but still. Hogan and Liz then argue in a trailer. Then Hogan talks directly to Macho Man in the camera. So... Is this, I'm, I'm confused, is this supposed to be backstage footage of Hogan coercing Liz and using her to get to Macho, or is this footage that Hulk knows is being filmed, and if he knows that it's being filmed, why would he be okay with the footage 
being shown of him trying to coerce Liz and use her to get to Macho. Man, why am I putting this much thought into this? This is fucking weird. Macho starts to leave as Bischoff apologizes to Benoit. Then Macho comes back. I'm going to take a screenshot of Macho here and post it on Twitter. You can go to at uh, NitromaniaPod on Twitter and look at my new header picture. I have taken, uh, I have replaced the picture of the uh, the bedsheet crowd sign that just says Mongo sucks, and I have replaced it with under Macho. Uh, so go to my Twitter and enjoy that. Um, because he, he legit, you can, you can see for yourself. He just looks so goddamn weird. Uh, speaking of weird, here's Macho. Macho? What's going through your mind, man? Come on. I've never seen him like this. I've got something to say. just occurred to me how fragile friendships and relationships can be. And you, Eric Bischoff, you and I both know how fragile business can be. Even marriage is fragile. But Hulk Hogan, life is fragile. And that is how we end the show, with Bischoff confused about Macho Man subtly threatening to end the life of Hollywood Hogan. Uh, Another bizarre episode of Nitro as we head into Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc next weekend. Uh, It makes sense to promise Sting in the first hour to counter-program the live episode of Raw over on USA and then not reveal that JL is actually fighting NWO Sting until a third of the way through hour two. But they still delivered actual Sting, so that was nice, I suppose. If you watch anything on the show, I guess American Males vs. Harlem Heat... I mean, it had a stupid ending, but the match itself wasn't that bad. Uh, over on Cage Match, we have a 3.83 out of 10 from the fans. The show pulled in a 3.2 TV rating. Meanwhile, over on the USA Network, we are live, as mentioned before, from Fort Wayne, Indiana, with episode 181 of Monday Night Raw. We are one night removed from In Your House Buried Alive, so let's find out who's still alive. McMahon is back on commentary with Lawler for some reason, so I guess fuck you, Kevin Kelly and Jim Ross. Uh, An extremely wet Psycho Sid defeats Owen Hart by disqualification when the Bulldog interferes. Shawn Michaels makes the save. They exchange casserole recipes as commentary talks about their match at Survivor Series. And thinking that reminded me of their match at Survivor Series and made me want to go back and watch it. We get photographs of the Buried Alive match from last night, then Jim Ross joins commentary. The Godwins defeat the Smoking Guns when Henry pins Bart. Billy is pissed about this. Then a promo for the Hall of Fame. Pat Patterson, a murderer, and Vincent J. McMahon are your inductees mentioned tonight. Backstage, Hunter runs a production case into Mr. Perfect, injuring his knee. In the ring, Jim Ross talks to Bret Hart to the discomfort of Vince McMahon. Bret promises to be with the WWF forever. Yeah, about that. 
Uh, he accepts Stone Cold's challenge for the Survivor Series. This this promo is really, really long. Uh, then the Karate Fighters Holiday Tournament, or at least the announcement of the brackets of the tournament. There are no actual tournament matches in this vignette. Mr. Perfect announces that he's injured while a fan in the front row on the hard camera side holds up a sign, a very large sign, mind you, that says, Hump his face, Goldust. Uh, then Perfect screws Marrow out of the Intercontinental title by siding with Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who wins by pinfall. So it was all a ruse, you guys. Uh, this episode of Raw has a 5.36 out of 10 from the fans on Cage Match, but only scored a TV rating of 2.6, falling to Nitro yet again. Elsewhere in the world on October 21st, 1996, it is the 117th anniversary of Thomas Edison filing the patent for the incandescent light bulb. It was the 163rd birthday of Alfred Nobel, inventor of dynamite, appropriate, and the 31st birthday of Horace Hogan. We won't see him for another couple of years, thankfully, and that'll still be too goddamn soon. That does it for 1996, so let's hop on back to 2019 so I can tell you if you want to see me live and in person in the month of February, you can come on out to APW Full Force Elimination 8 on February 16th at the Newburyport Lodge of Elks and on the 23rd for Lucky Pro Wrestling Homecoming Rampage at the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. Please check out the brand new RundownWrestling.com, the new online home of the Rundown Wrestling Network. All of your favorite Rundown shows are there, and the ones you don't like so much are there as well. Also, sign up for our Patreon at Patreon.com slash RundownWrestling, where as little as $5 a month gets you bonus episodes exclusively for patrons, including my recap and review of NXT TakeOver Phoenix that I just recorded last night with Jeff. Next week is Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc, which means I will have a very special guest joining me on that episode. Those of you who follow myself and some other wrestling podcasters on Twitter may have already been spoiled for this as he went ahead and posted some screenshots of uh, uh, himself watching the, well, not him, but some screenshots of the pay-per-view as he was watching it. Uh, yes, my guest on the Halloween Havoc episode coming back uh, unintentionally, his his timeline-wise, one-year anniversary from the last time he was on the show uh, as he helped me cover Halloween Havoc 95. Henry Hugeplex, the suplex-throwing human duplex, will be returning for Halloween Havoc 96. So be on the lookout for that next week or next time, whenever I get a chance to write that episode. But that does it for this week, so I am looking forward to watching Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc, and I do hope you are all looking forward to hearing me and Henry talk about it next time, right here on Nitromania. Pull up your socks and get ready.